0: Uh, hi, everyone. This is Camden Busey. I'm uh, playing around with some audio gear and some video gear, as you can see. I'm goofing around with a few things. Uh, I thought I'd just get online. So my family's uh, out of town for a few days uh, visiting some folks, and so I'm here by myself. So I thought I'd get uh, get online and goof around with a few new toys uh, in preparation of the Reform Forum Conference, which is going to be coming up in uh, October. So before that, I want to play around with some uh, live streaming and uh, see how this video works and see if I can produce something that uh, doesn't look half bad. So while we're at it, I thought I'd record a few things. And uh, while I'm playing, I'll I'll make some use of the the time of goofing off and do something for uh, my website. So uh, I thought I recorded something for uh, the Commonplace podcast, which is my little uh, podcast uh, on my personal website, camden.busey. .org. Um, There I like to kind of just record my thoughts on things I've been working on, things I've been up to recently, and um, things I've been reading. It's kind of a a journal for uh, my mind, (laughs) a record of things that I've been thinking about and uh, just trying to share them and curate them for curious people. So let me find my recent uh, list of books that I've read I've been using Goodreads.com uh, this year. I've, I've been using it for several years, but I've been using it this year specifically to, to attempt to record every single book that I've read. And I think I've read 39 books this year so far. I set a target of 50 to try to read one almost one per month, but I've been beating my target, uh, and especially, um, you know, uh, especially uh, reading to my my kids. Uh, my son and I are reading through the Chronicles of Narnia, so the, those go a little bit faster. I'm able to uh, to launch into those faster, so it's it's kept me up on the on the target a little bit quicker than I thought I would go. Let's look at the re- reading list. My brother just sent me a message. It says a tornado is coming my way. Great. I'll send him a message back. <laughs> oh, man. Well, hopefully you don't catch me on a live stream where my house blows down. Because that would be majorly inconvenient. I'm going to back up uh, a few, probably going all the way back to June 4th, 2017, I read a book titled, At the Existentialist Cafe, Freedom, Being, and Apricot Cocktails. Uh, That was a fun book. Uh, That was a book about existentialism. It wasn't so much uh, a pure philosophy book as it was a history book about philosophers. And existentialism has been an interest of mine for the last seven, eight years, uh, mostly because of its connection to uh, the work of Karl Rahner. I should say his work. And uh, he was largely influenced by Heidegger. Heidegger was an existentialist, and Heidegger features large in this book, but it's also a book which talks quite a bit about Jean-Paul Sartre, Simone de Beauvoir. Uh, and and you're gonna read quite a bit about this, uh, or you're gonna you're gonna learn quite a bit about these people when you read this book. Uh, the Goodreads knockout uh, says Paris near the turn of 1933, three young friends meet over apricot cocktails at the Bec de Gaz bar on the Rue Montparnasse. Uh, they are Jean Paul Sartre, uh, Simone de Beauvoir, and their friend Raymond Aaron, who opens their eyes to a radical new way of thinking. Pointing to his drink, he says. You can make philosophy out of this cocktail. So why wouldn't you want to read that? I mean, that sounds fascinating. I enjoyed it. I actually listened to it. So I know that's, I wouldn't say it's cheating. I just read an article that said scientifically, you know, you're receiving the same information. I used to think that listening to a book was different than reading a book. I still think that, but I used to think it was not as good because you activate different parts of your brain when you read with your eyes than when you merely listen with your ears. Uh, but um, I read a little article that kind of debunked, debunked some of that. So I'm willing to retract my my harsh opinion there. I still think it's preferable to read traditionally with your eyes. When you're listening to a book, I don't call it reading. You know, I'm not reading a book when I'm listening to an audiobook. Nevertheless, you still learn quite a bit and it's useful and it saves me a lot of time. Uh, it allows me to get through books while I'm running or while I'm driving, so at the Existentialist Cafe by Sarah Bakewell, uh, it was read. Uh, I don't know the name of the person who read it on Audible, but it was uh, it was good. I really like listening to an English woman. I like listening to her read, although she did mispronounce some technical words here and there, and that kind of was a stumbling block. Uh, I read Matthew Levering's Engaging the Doctrine of Revelation: The Meditation of the Gospel Through Church. And scripture, that was something else. Uh, Matthew Levering is a very well-known systematician uh, down at St. Mary's, uh, University of St. Mary on the lakes, uh, or on the lake, um, down in Mundelein, a Catholic seminary, one of the six pontifical institutes in the United States. And um, I've had lunch with him and um, met him at a conference as well. So he's a really uh, good guy, and uh, he's written, I think, four books now in this series published by Baker. And this one uh, is about revelation, so prolegomena or fundamental theology, and uh, I really enjoyed it. He writes in a way where he interacts with many different theologians. So he kind of picks some key figures in contemporary theology or the recent near history, and he uh, works through them in a way where he interacts with the work. And then he, uh, he praises them for where he thinks they're correct he counteracts where he thinks they could use some improvement, and then he, as he works through a chapter on a subject, working through a lot of major thinkers, he kind of weaves it back all together uh, in a way where he tr- attempts to present a coherent case. So he's a very, v- extremely sharp person. He's a, a very intelligent thinker. He writes well, and he introduces me to uh, theologians that I haven't read. And so I really appreciate that, and he always gets you thinking. So that's Matthew Levering engaging the doctrine of Revelation, the mediation of the gospel through church and scripture. I also uh, worked through Plato, a very short introduction by Julia Annis. Uh, this, was, uh, this is in those Oxford very short introduction series, and I enjoyed that one as well. I've read quite a few of these. I'm per- currently working through the one on, um, on Aristotle. Uh, but this is just a short little book. I mean, in the audio version, which I listened to, you can get through it in about four hours. And then if you listen at a little bit faster pace, like at about 1.5x, you can get through it then at, uh, what, three hours. So Plato, a very short introduction. There wasn't a whole lot of uh, his ideals or his philosophy of the forms. Uh, but you do get a whole a different side of Plato that talks about kind of his personal interaction with people especially as students that uh was a little bit uh detestable <laughs> to me in terms of plato's behavior and um some of his morals but nevertheless i, got, I did learn about plato and I, I appreciate that thank uh julia annis for writing that book i uh have a monthly book club and i get together with people uh from fred's diner and people on my softball team and we like to read uh Every month, uh, something new. So a different person gets to pick the book every month. Last month, I read Brain on Fire, My Month of Madness by Susanna Cahalan. You're going to see that name and you're going to think it's Callahan. But it's Cahalan, C-A-H-A-L-A-N. This was an interesting book about a woman who, um, I I won't spoil it in case you want to read it, but she ends up having some severe mental disorders. You don't know why. And so in that sense, it ends up becoming, in effect, a medical thriller uh, to find out what's going on with her. She was a reporter, uh, I believe it was for the New York Post, so one of the, uh, the papers in New York that has, you know, the flashy titles and whatnot, um, perhaps not as classy as the New York Times, but they do what they do. And uh, Susanna Cahalan um, had some serious issues. So she wrote about all of this after the fact. She's better now, but I won't tell you why and uh, what happened to her. Although I will tell you this led to a a really interesting conversation uh, over book club where we're talking, you know, with a bunch of different people from uh, somewhat different backgrounds. And we were talking about uh, mental illness and even the use of that phrase illness. Uh, We're talking about disorders and If something's wrong with your emotions or your behavior, how we view it as a culture, and uh, does that change when we find out whether or not it might have a chemical impact or some other external factor that has to do with it. Um, There's a lot to go on there. So Susanna Cahillin's Brain on Fire, My Month of Madness, uh, interesting book. Uh, My son and I, like I said, are reading uh, the Chronicles of Narnia. Um, I got through uh, number three, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. As well as number four, The Silver Chair. Some of you big Lewis fans are going to know that there's a different ordering in the books. I just found this out several months ago. Uh, there's the publication order, which is the order that I knew about and uh, had previously used. And then there's also the, um, the order that um, Lewis wanted people to read them. So like Magician's Nephew, which we have not read yet. Uh, Because I believe it's second to last. We're reading The Horse and His Boy right now. So number six is The Magician's Nephew in publication order. However, um, Magician's Nephew is a prequel to The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Which explains the professor. Uh, The Magician's Nephew, I believe, is the professor in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. The old man who has the house, the magic house. And then it explains how the magic came about and why it's there. I don't know. I don't know because I haven't read The Magician's Nephew and no one's told me about it. All that I know is I'm going to find out when I read The Magician's Nephew, but I haven't read it yet because I'm reading the publication order. So after The Horse and His Boy, uh, we'll read The Magician's Nephew, then The Last Battle, which is number seven in both orders, and we'll be through the series. But I'm enjoying it. Uh, My son is uh, five, almost six. In a couple months he'll be six. And uh, he's quite the reader. And uh, he's reading a little bit himself. But he loves to listen. Even listens to audiobooks. Uh, so we're really proud of that. And uh, he's doing a good job. And he likes listening to me read these books. So I read him about a chapter every night. Uh, Lessons from a Hospital Bed by John Piper. I read that uh, just uh, you know for, to sharpen the saw a bit for my pastoral ministry. Uh, it was a helpful, very short book. Uh, a book of little observations that John Piper wrote while he was in the hospital. Uh, I read Yves Congar's uh, The Meaning of Tradition. This was a fascinating book. Congar is a Roman Catholic and was highly influential at Vatican II. And so I appreciated this book because it gave me uh, yet another view on Vatican II and what it was doing and the theology they're in. Uh, And one thing that I found so fascinating was that there comes a part in the book where Congar says... Look, of course all of this Catholic doctrine that Protestants get hung up on is not in the Bible. You know, stuff like Mary's uh, you know, um, immaculate conception. You know, all this other stuff that Protestants keep, you know, get all upset about with the the Catholic Church. Uh, Congar comes right out and says, "Look, of course none of this is in the Bible. It's not in the Bible." But he says, "If only if if the only thing you believed was the Bible, then you'd become a Puritan. And I said, well, oh, finally, <laughs> uh, we can understand each other. Although we, <laughs> we disagree uh, significantly over what's right. But uh, me, coming from the Puritan tradition, you know, the, the Westminster divines, and uh, me as a modern-day uh, Reformed Presbyterian, look back on the Puritans as those who were uh, superb. And uh, I have uh, the same beliefs. I subscribe to the same confession that they wrote in the 17th century. So uh, why is that? It's because I believe the Bible is the infallible word of God, and I don't rely upon human tradition uh, to augment a Scripture, God's word. Although, Congar's book was excellent in terms of a- asking some difficult questions uh, that Protestants need to answer. Uh, it also uh, raises some other significant issues, things uh, with which to wrestle as a Reformed person. Uh, Congar's book is, is superb, so I recommend that to anybody um, who has some theological education under their belt? I wouldn't necessarily give this to a, a lay person, although they probably could read it and, and understand it just fine. Um, but I'd want them to have a, a better foundation before getting into it, perhaps. Eve Congar, that's uh, Y V E S, uh, and then Congar is C O N G A R, uh, the meaning of tradition. Uh, I got about f- six left here. Uh, Moises Silva's Interpreting Galatians, Explorations in Exegetical Method. Uh, this isn't a commentary per se, but it is a uh, an important book that addresses how to go about interpreting and exegeting uh, the book of Galatians, which is such a significant book. I'm preaching through it now. On the Lord's Day, I'll be preaching uh, Galatians 4, 1 through 7. So I'm, I'm just turning on the other side of the uh, halfway mark and uh, love Silva. I, uh, I can't say enough good about Silva. He's superb and interpreting Galatians is a, is a good book. Uh, Warren Berger's A More Beautiful Question, The Power of Inquiry to Spark Breakthrough Ideas. That was a fun book. Uh, That one is more in the uh, scheme of uh, business books, but it it is presenting the scenario in which the author wants us to become better questioners. And not just questioning in the sense of being a skeptic, but using questions as a tool for better understanding, uh, not just more precise understanding, but deeper understanding. And so he covers all sorts of things in this book, and he does many case studies We, where he interviews uh, different CEOs and provides uh, different examples of people that have uh, come to better understanding through questioning. Uh, but I enjoyed this. It took me a little while to read it. It looks, uh, according to the records... Um, began it on May 16th and then finished it June 13th. And that's not because it was a slow read, but this was a book where I kind of picked it up and put it down, um, and got to it in different chunks. But, uh, when it it was all said and done, I I gave it four stars out of five and it looks like Goodreads people have given it a 4.02. So I'm right there on the average, but a great book that a four for me is good because I won't pick up a book that I don't think is promising towards a four. It's just I'm not going to bother, and so to give it a four, unless I'm being forced to read something. Um, if something gets a three, that means it disappointed me a little bit. Uh, if it gets a two, that means I. I mean, why? What happened? I don't know why I read that. Uh, and a five means I was impressed, but a four means right down the middle. Very a very good book. I it, it it hit me where I, I thought it would. Maybe I was surprised. I was surprised about a few things, but. You know, wasn't, I'm not ecstatic about it. Uh, so so that's, this is a four star, a more beautiful question, the power of inquiry to spark breakthrough ideas. I mentioned uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, uh, the silver chair, number four. I finished that with my son. Uh, another Catholic book after that I read was uh, Avery Dulles' uh, John Henry Newman. Uh, Cardinal Newman is a significant figure. He was a convert from Anglicanism to Catholicism. So he moved from being an Anglican bishop to being a Roman Catholic cardinal, not just a priest, but a cardinal. And uh, this was in the mid-19th century, and he was a, a huge figure, an intellectual uh, heavyweight. He wrote often on uh, issues of fundamental theology, things that we Reformed people would call prolegomena. And uh, Dulles' book, John Henry Newman, each chapter is devoted to different uh, fields or different aspects in Newman's thought. So I really enjoyed that. I'm going to skip to the one I read most recently because I want to save the best for last. Uh, I read Ben Horowitz's The Hard Thing About Hard Things, Building a Business When There Are No Easy Answers. I actually finished that this morning. I've been listening to it uh, on an audiobook. Uh, ben Horowitz is uh, a partner with Andreessen Horowitz, Mark Andreessen. And Ben Horowitz have been partners for many years. You may know Mark Andreessen and Ben Horowitz from such adventures as uh, Netscape Navigator. Um, Mark Andreessen, if uh, memory serves me correctly, was at the University of Illinois and uh, was instrumental, if not the main driver, I don't remember, of uh, creating the Mozilla browser. uh, which, Which, I mean, he's basically the creator of the internet browser. So that's a big deal. Uh, Ben Horowitz has written a book here that is a a management book of sorts, a business book that that has a lot of how-tos in terms of running a business and doing the difficult things, talking to investors, hiring people, firing people, encouraging people, where and when to to take different approaches and strategies and tactics. And so it was a little bit nuts and bolts. Uh, A lot of it had nothing to do with my present life, but I often like to read books like this and expand my horizons on a number of things. And so Ben Horowitz's The Hard Thing About Hard Things uh, was a a great book, really useful. Uh, The average rating on Goodreads is a 4.2. I'd probably give it a (laughs) four. Finally, and last but not least, oh man, I really enjoyed this one. Bruce Springsteen's memoir titled Born to Run. Now, I gave this five stars. I am not a huge fan of The Boss, I'm I'm a fan. I really enjoy listening to Bruce Springsteen, but I got to tell you, I don't listen to the whole catalog uh and and I listen to a select few songs, but I listen to those a lot in certain circumstances. Uh two of his songs, uh Born to Run, obviously, and uh, Thunder Road are on my uh marathon uh playlist uh, that I call extra motivation. So, when I was training for marathons, I would have this, you know, long 3-hour playlist that I included some of these songs that would really get me motivated and going. And uh, Born to Run, you got to have Born to Run on there. I know it's not about running per se in terms of like uh, running a marathon, but Born to Run, you got to have that. I mean, that's a a title shared by a a famous book on marathon and long distance running. Born to Run, holy cow, I was not expecting this. I downloaded this book from Overdrive, uh, which is, uh, uh, I got it through my library, so I got it for free. Um, and, oh, man, not only is this book interesting in the sense that it covers a lot of, well, all of Bruce Springsteen's life, and and he goes into detail on many things. You get the backstory and a lot of fun things. But uh, he reads it, obviously. Uh, he has a very distinct voice. Uh, he wrote the book, but he, he reads it. And so you get this sense of uh, he's right there, and his voice is just perfect. It's so distinct and, and From all other voices. And uh, when he reads it, there's just something almost magical about it. But I got to tell you, look, I know Bruce Springsteen is quite the lyricist. He's very good. Uh, Some people might think he's just writing, you know, common lyrics for the common man. But there's a lot of depth and poetry in his in his lyrics. And, um, you know, give him a fair shake if you don't believe me. Uh, This is this is some significant stuff. Very literary in a lot of places. But I got to tell you, this book was superbly written. It was magnificent. I there was maybe two parts where I thought maybe you should you know this he kind of seemed to make an adverb out of an adjective and it did, it was unnecessary. But that was just minor stylistic things. But the the phrasing, the imagery, there aren't cliches, but yet the truthfulness and the depth. I, I really can't say enough for Bruce Springsteen's memoir. Born to Run? I was not expecting this at all. I thought I'd listen a little bit, get a little tidbit, you know, hear some stories about the Born to Run record in, I believe, 1975, and then I would just kind of go on. Uh, I had no idea. I had no idea. Listen to all of it. It's 18 hours. I think I listened to it at 1.2x because I, I, I just didn't want to speed them up too much because it was missing the, the sense of it. So, two thumbs up for Bruce Springsteen, the boss. Man, that guy can write. Born to Run. You will enjoy it. Even if you don't like Bruce Springsteen and you don't like his music, I think you'll appreciate his introspectiveness, and his, uh, his personal um, style, and his self-awareness, and the ability to write that and capture it in a just a beautiful literary way. Uh, I finished that um, June 21st. No, July 17th. Started at June 21st, finished at July 17th. So, that's about it. Um getting a feel for all this i'm looking on facebook i don't see uh oh you know what there we go okay well i'm learning things as we go and so i uh, hope you enjoyed this and uh you know we'll talk to you next time on commonplace or the next time online, i'm uh online live on facebook or youtube see you later